You watched Battlestar, right? Yeah, I love when they do terrorism allegory with mostly white people. Mm -hmm. You remember Grace Park in season one? Of course, best storyline. Why? Duh, because she was actually- You were Grace Park, okay? You were Grace Park, Margo. And we have ourselves a bit of a Gene Hackman in the conversation. I didn't see that yeah, one. Right. Um, someone is XOXO gossip girling our shit. Remember James Marsden in X-Men? Hmm? <laughs> Your Marsden is XOXOing us, full on that great song by the police. That Farouche Balk in the crowd. Yeah, more Cersei Lannister. Hey. Glad I made you read those. <laughs> well, I read the wiki. <laughs> Free traders, Thalorians, magicians, welcome to season three. We hope you're not just reading the wiki. We hope you've read the books. We've uh, told you to enough times. But yeah, welcome. Season three. Woo! Season three. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the moment is finally here. Season three of The Magicians has arrived. And I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And we are thrilled to welcome you back to Physical Kids Weekly. This week's episode is called The Tales of the Seven Keys. Before we get into the episode, what do you think? Should we start with a quick recap? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, so in this episode, Penny still has like super cancer and he's working from the library until his time runs out. They have some weird thing going where they can like keep him, keep time from passing in the library. Not sure how that works without magic, but... You know, we'll, we'll, we'll just accept it for now. Quentin and Julia, they're at break bills, testing the limits of Julia's power and looking for leads to help them bring magic back. So cue Josh, who leads them to Bacchus, who is kind of helpful, I guess. And back in Fillory, Fenn's lost her marbles. Elliot and Margot are searching for a way to get rid of the fairies. And what do they find? A quest. So Danny, what did you think? Um, I think it's a great... Uh, starter episode. I mean, it sets up basically, for the most part, the plot of the second book just in a very different way. <laughs> yeah, we've talked a lot about how <laughs> we've sort of gotten to the second book through the third, which is <laughs> very confusing, but uh, also has been really exciting in season two. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, though, from that clip we played, uh, I also have mostly read the wiki for Game of Thrones, and <laughs> I felt very called out. <laughs> you know, I've only read the first, like, 150 pages of the first book. I just couldn't do it. But I, I watched the show. No, it doesn't, doesn't help, does it? <laughs> I, I watched the show. I got through, like, a few books. Um, I just couldn't anymore because I thought the show, honestly, was better. Um, <laughs> only, only, I think only because they are genuinely huge books that you need a lot of time for. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I think that was the main thing that intimidated me. It was just how big they are. But we're not, this is not a Game of Thrones podcast. This is a Magician's podcast. Yes. So yeah, getting back to it. Um, I actually had pretty mixed feelings about this episode. I think you're right that it, it's a great way to set up what's going to come what's going what's coming in the season and you need that setup uh especially for people who who haven't read the books and are only really getting to it through the show but that said it is kind of slow because it does a lot of sort of ping-ponging back and forth because there isn't really any magic except for the strange kind of plot holy bits of magic that we find here and there um it's true yeah and so i, I look it, 
it, it definitely wasn't like, you remember when we, we saw the season two premiere, I was just like, oh my God, this is great. Let's go. I didn't have that feeling going into this. Um, okay, yeah. But there were a lot of individual moments I loved. Um, and I imagine you felt that way too. So I don't know, Danny, what were your favorite moments? Um, definitely Julian, uh, Quentin, just their friendship. It's back full of force. Uh, we finally yeah. get to see it. Um, <laughs> and I just feel like from the get go, I can just feel like this is Julia's season. This is Julia's season. I really liked the, the way that their friendship played out too. And especially because I think like, everything from what they're wearing to the way they sort of interact, they have that like easy affection for each other back. And you really get to see them just kind of being these kids from New York. And part of that is because they don't have magic. So, you know, well, I mean, Quentin doesn't have magic and they don't have much. So what else is there? But it also just feels like they have found their way back to, to who they were and who they've always been. Like all of that loss of identity you saw with both of them in season too, all that like confusion and loss of purpose, it's gone. And I think like there's that line near the beginning where Quentin says like you fired me up and you made me realize there's something to fight for. Mm -hmm. um, I really liked that because I think one of the things I noticed most in this episode is how Quentin doesn't seem he doesn't seem as like sad puppy as he has been in the past. He seems like he's found some important part of himself. Yeah. I think like, like, and you kind of get that a lot in the books. Like, uh, it's kind of starts around book two, like where you're like, Quentin's starting to grow up. He definitely yeah. isn't fully fledged grown up <laughs> until book three, but <laughs> It it starts to show and it and it and it starts in the same way with with the quest in book two where he's like, but not until he gets to Earth. Yeah, absolutely. which is kind of where he's at right now. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the uh, the scene in the stairwell? Oh, I I loved it. It was very dorky, but <laughs> it was super cute. Um, it was weird to see Julia that way after two seasons of just not having her be a very happy person, so. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Should we play that clip for people? Yeah. Yeah, it's a really fun one. Here we go. Hey, yo, I'm tired of using technology. So why don't you get in front of me? Hey, yo, I'm tired of using technology. I need you right in front of me. She wants it. She wants it. She wants it, so she's gonna give it to her. She wants it, she wants it, she wants it, so give it to her. I liked your little dance, Danny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think you're right. It's really great to see Julia. It, I don't know if it's like exactly happy, but more herself, more in her own skin. Definitely with her, uh, her shade back. Yeah. 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 Um, one uh, of the things I really liked in this episode, I mean, there's, there's so much to love, but um, 
I really liked Fen's entrance. I cracked up when that happened with her like little, her weird little noise. And then she's like snuggling a log and treating it like it's her baby, which I thought was like a, a really fantastic homage to Twin Peaks um, and well-timed mm-hmm. since we got a new Twin Peaks last year. Uh, so yeah, I like, I really like Fen as the log lady. Her, her crazy is uh, top notch. It's pretty beautiful. Uh, she also later on in the episode has that moment with a bunny. Oh yeah. As well, so <laughs> anything anything to replace her child. <laughs> There's definitely something uh, missing and it's not just her toes in this episode. Um let's see what else. What what about you? You you give me another one. Um God, there was a lot uh that I liked. I actually love the part with Josh and um, mm. Josh and, and Julia when they're talking. Although yeah. I was kind of like, this is slightly romantic and made me feel a little weird. <laughs> um, yeah, there cannot I, be a Josh-Julia romance. That's not allowed. <laughs> yeah. But I was also like, mm, it's probably just the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were on a lot of drugs there. Um, I agree with you, though. I think, like, I mean, I know that you really love Josh in season two, and I think he... Um, I think he's great in this episode. I think Trevor is fantastic in this episode. Um, and I think there's something really interesting about seeing him who is like, that character is not someone who you associate as like super caring about magic in all the ways, right? Like he's not a super student. He's more of a sort of like slacker and druggy. He, you know, disappeared for a year or whatever with his entire class. But like seeing how much how hard it hits him as just sort of this like regular Joe of the magician's world to lose magic is um I think it's it, it really shows how that's what made it sort of hit home for me that like magic is gone. Yeah. Um, you talked about the bunnies earlier. Um, what did you think about that scene with the bunnies? Like, and and the way that they're using bunnies is like the universal communication system. Uh, I, I wonder where that comes from. I feel like that has to come from somewhere, but, uh, I thought it was cute. I love bunnies, so I would be very happy to like see a bunny randomly appear out of nowhere and yell the weird things at me. At least it doesn't have quite a demonic voice as the did. With the pregnancy bunny? Oh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> I think it's, you know, I think it's a good way to sort of handle the fact that they're in different worlds. Because, like, in the books, there isn't really any communication between... Well, okay, so in the books, magic hasn't died. So to the extent that there's communication, it's still sort of done through the kinds of magic that we've seen before. Like, through the fountains, they do that, like, telegram system. Um, yeah. And you can't book- do that... Sorry? In book three, like, Elliot just, like, randomly shows up on, on Q's doorstep. I, <laughs> I don't even know how he did that. Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to see uh, that interview that we did with um, with Henry Myers. I, I just remember asking him, like, how are they going to get back and forth with Fillory? And he's like, I think about that every day. So I think we're going to see some weird things for sure. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I like. I thought the bunnies is kind of like a a clever way to get around that, right? Like the magical creatures still have their magic because it's not well magic, um, wellspring magic. So, but you know, the we do know that the the fountains themselves has have closed up, so you wouldn't expect them to to be a usable communication path. I thought that was really funny, though. I feel like, yeah, that's kind of weird because the Netherlands themselves, I've always just assumed were just were magic 
Hmm. I mean, especially within the books, like a lot of the times they go there and uh, like the chaos and like how it looks like it just seems like a magical place. So I figured like maybe it's just set in a specific time or at least that's their what they're saying to keep Penny alive. Well, I, I, think it makes, I think it makes sense to have the Netherlands not be like fully magic because they're this bridge between worlds that are magical and worlds that aren't right. Like they're, I don't know that, that I imagine wherever the leak is coming from, it probably has something to do with the Netherlands. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't know what the, like I was, I was thinking a lot about the library thing. Cause like I mentioned earlier, like it's, it's kind of weird that the librarians in a world without magic would be able to set up this place where like time stops. And I don't know if that's some reference to like, this is what all the Netherlands is like, but I don't think it can be because of the way the, the, what was her name? The, the character who died in last season from Sylvia, Sylvia, right. Like because of the way Sylvia died, right? Like time passed there. So it seems like the librarians did something to set that up. And I wondered if maybe that has something to do with, like, their... If maybe they have some kind of contract with the gods, right? Like, they are protecting and archiving and um, ensuring the safety of all of these sort of magical resources um, that aren't just used by humans. Mm-hmm. I love how they're still sitting there and, like, blaming, like, say, the like the head librarian for Penny being sick. And I'm just like, it's still his own damn fault. Like, <laughs> and it was like... <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, I mean, but, you know, he's angry. I would understand that. <laughs> I think having super cancer is justifiably, like, justifiable <laughs> for anger, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. And and they did, right, like, it is his fault, but it, they did make that the consequence. So, I don't know. I suppose that's the easiest place to, to be, to put his misplaced anger. Yeah. Um, Okay, what else? Oh, well, we didn't actually talk about that that pop culture reference scene at the front at the, that we played at the front. What did you think about that? Oh, it was it was it was hilarious. I was a little <laughs> I was glad that the whole subtitle thing popped up because I was a little lost. And at first, I was just like, "Wait, what's happening?" And it took me a second to be like, "Oh, okay, so they're like talking in code." Um, <laughs> I've never seen Battlestar, which is probably a travesty. <laughs> you should see it. Them. You would like it. Yeah, okay. So I I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. I honestly, like, it's funny because I think I, like, I have entry points into pretty much everything that they said, but I still would have been lost without the subtitles. And I think one of the things that does, so first of all, it makes it clear to the audience what it is that they're actually saying. But second of all, I really felt like that was a, a, like a really cute way and clever way of showing off the sort of specialness of Elliot and Margot's relationship, right? Like, I don't think any other two characters could do that. I think it only works because they know each other so intimately and because so much of their friendship revolves around those kinds of references. I'm assuming that at some point they've had to have a conversation like that before. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If only to prevent Todd from getting invited to parties. I love that it, yeah, it's definitely, like, very special to them. Um, their pop culture is probably pretty unrivaled. And, <laughs> They'd be great at uh, trivia. Yeah, they would be very great at trivia. Uh, they'd probably have some way to magically cheat if magic wasn't gone. But um, 
I liked it, and it also just keeps true to like how meta um, the magicians is. So, yeah, um, I think you're right. Like, there's the magicians is so much. It, it's so funny. I keep every now and then I will like come across another review or some random thing that somebody has said on Reddit, and they'll be like, "Oh my god, it's just a rip off of Narnia." It's like. <laughs> you are missing the point. <laughs> it is not a ripoff. It's a retelling. It's like all those, like, do they say that about Wicked? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I've, I've had to explain it to a few people, and I'm just like, uh, no, 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 no. Like, you don't get it. Like, that's the point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, he, it's like, if Lev could literally call it Narnia, he would have. Like, <laughs> wasn't there? Didn't he say something about how like they uh, they changed it to the Questing Beasts um, because they couldn't just call it the White Stag or whatever? I think so. There was some copyright issue. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, um, I thought that was I thought that was pretty funny. You would think. I don't know. I don't know enough about copyright law. I was about to speculate, but that's that's totally pointless. Um, yeah. Okay, so let me see. What's another cool thing in this episode? Well, what do you think about the the great cock? That whole scene. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. I mean, I think everyone likes a good dick joke. So um, <laughs> <laughs> certainly, it we've was, seen that in this show. <laughs> it was just like, especially for Elliot to have found it, and he's just like when he's just like, yeah, I've I've, I've played with a few or I've handled a few like <laughs> that, and like cracked me up. Um, I love that was really good. I love that whole scene, and I love so I love that it starts with like the the great cock calling Elliot out and being like, "Dude, why do you got to start all? Why do you got to start all hostile? Just give me a compliment." Yeah, <laughs> and he, how he's just like he gives him like a sample compliment. And just like, <laughs> Elliot's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like the sample compliment, and I don't know, like that whole thing. Um, when they sit down and talk and it's like Elliot, I don't know. It felt like the, the great cock was kind of I, like Elliot's spirit animal. <laughs> they share the same aesthetic. They share the same, like, I don't know, way of going about things, way of going about life. <laughs> yeah. They were pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is kind of nice, right? Like it's nice that that's the person who hands him the quest. Yeah. Is like the magical creature that's most like him. Who do you think uh, Margot's would be? Out of like the questing creatures, or just like an, an, yeah. An, an well, they've made up new ones. What kind of creature do you think it would be? Um, hmm. I feel like she'd be like a big cat of some sort, like a hmm. like a panther or something. Yeah, or maybe a, maybe like a leopard with spots. Vicious. Yeah, <laughs> I like that a lot. I hope that we get. I hope that we get to see Margot with a questing beast at some point. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. I'm the only thing that I that bothered me just a little bit is is the fact that Elliot's the one that gets the quest, and I'm just mm -hmm. like, but it's basically the only reason they find the quest in the second book is because he was so fucking bored on Fillory that he's just like, I need to find something to do. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. And I think, you know, what's what's interesting about that, too, is that, like, there's some other things that are, like, Quentin's in the book that happened to Elliot in the show. Like, Elliot's the one who gets kicked out of Fillory in the show, not mm -hmm. Quentin. 
though, you know, who knows how that's going to change. Uh, yeah, I mean, Quentin could very well still be, like, permanently kicked out of Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Permaband from Fillory. Aw. <laughs> yeah. I hope that, I don't know. Um, let's see, what else do I have on here? Oh, Sad Alice with the back alley vampire. Speaking of things that are sort of given to other people, right? Like, that really reminded me of Julia's arc in the books, where she's, like, giving the giving the back alley handjobs for magic. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Um, it was weird to me. I, I mean, I feel like they're like, we have to find something to do with Alice, and they've definitely found a, a couple things to do with Alice, but... Um, the bacon was hilarious. Yeah. And I was just like, it was kind of a weird misplaced scene, um, to me. But I mean, we did need to check in with her in the episode. But there was just like, like you said, it just started to get slow, like such a, a long episode. It wasn't any longer, but it felt like it was. Well, and yeah, and like I said, I mean, I think that that really, it, it mostly has to do with having to set this up and having to set it up from multiple angles. It's such a, the quest the quest for the keys is such a big thing, right? Like it is the entire book's worth of plot. And it's not like in season two where you could sort of continue from the sort of climax battle scene. There, so the thing that happened in at the end of season two, the loss of magic, it's not 100% clear where you'll end up going from there. And so you need to, you, they need to push it in a certain direction. But it means you have one of these big um, ensemble episodes where everyone is split up, which means that you can't really devote any serious amount of time to any one group. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, actually, I have a question for you. So the whole thing with, like, keeping magic, keeping the fact that, like, Julia has magic from Josh and, like, Quentin being kind of weirdly controlling about that, what did you think about that? I thought it was weird. Um, but it seems like something Quentin would do. <laughs> um, because he is, after all, an unbelievable pussy. <laughs> yeah. He just... It seems like something he would do, like especially with his friendship with Julia, even in the books, like just some of the times he like comes at her like really weird, like, why are you doing this? Why are you like this? And... And she has to, like, kind of just throw it at him, like, this is who I am. Yeah. And it, it kind of reminded me of that, like, a little less dark. But, like, she's just like, oh, I just wanted to to show Josh that there was something to. Yeah. I think one of the ways you were talking about how, like, Quentin has matured a little bit and we see it here. One of the ways in which you can see that is the fact that he listens to her now when she tells him, like, no, you're being you're out of line. And, like, this is ridiculous. And what are you going to go summon a summon the gods by yourself, right? Like, he hears her when she's like, you're being stupid, stop it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And responds to that. Yeah. Which I really liked. Um, you were talking, too, about that in terms of, like, how the, I guess, the um, friendship that is developing between Josh and Julia. I really liked that he... I think responded really well when she sort of makes that glib comment about having been raped by a God and all the sort of trauma that she's been through um, being like a long story. And he's like, I have time. I think he does a really good job of sort of being an ear and a friend for her. Um, Mm -hmm. Something I really appreciated. Reminded me a little of that scene at the end of season two where Elliot 
finds her in her apartment after um, after she's got her shade back. Mm-hmm. If if Julia can get people, you know, <laughs> if one of the things that comes out of Julia's trauma is that like she teaches the people around her to be better friends, that that seems like it would be something. It'd be nice to yeah. give that to her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just feel like we're getting, like, it's finally, like, Julie is getting kind of what she deserves, <laughs> in yeah. a way. She's the only one with magic, and it's great. Yeah, and I love that she's finding ways to, like, show people that make them happy instead of being like, ha ha. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have one other question about this. And this is just something I was thinking about when I was putting together the the notes for this episode. It's called the Tales of the Seven Keys, like plural, like multiple tales. Did you think about that? Or did you realize that? I didn't realize that. Um, I'm thinking maybe the it's like several different stories. Maybe it's because like every it's. Every key has its own story, maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that's a that's a good idea, a good way to think about it. The other thing I thought of was that the so the the great cock kind of lays out that quest a little bit for Elliot, though not in much detail. Just lays out that it's a quest, but then they like find out some information about it from the Fillory books. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about that, and then I also thought about the fact that like when communicating this. <laughs> To Elliot, they send like a hundred bunnies, and they have to like get all the bunnies in order because they're all telling different parts of the story. I like yeah. your I like your idea though. I, I really think that's I don't know. There's something beautiful about that. Yeah. Well, I really like that every character poster has like a different key. Yeah. Um. There's one associated the- with each of them. Mm-hmm. So. There's Some, that. <laughs> somebody was talking about how the keys all look different, like they have different designs. And mm-hmm. um, I think it was, I think it was Logan. And I think she was saying that like she had this theory that um, that like each key is somehow representative of that particular person. I actually didn't get. I want to take a look at um, the art for that. It's probably on the Twitter site, right? See if I can see anything interesting about those. So, like, Julia's is this triangle in a, like, hexagon thing. Um, I think I can't really see Quentin's that well. Elliot's is, like, a heart with a little diamond in the middle. Um, Is it really? (laughs) Yeah, Margot's has a crown. It's like a crown and a crown. Um... Man, I want to see that better. Yeah, we'll have to think about that more. Well, Quentin's is probably a heart because he's literally the heart of the show. <laughs> well, I'm trying to see if I can. I'm trying to see if I can get a closer look, but it's like super shiny. <laughs> so, struggling. <laughs> um, what is it? Alice's looks like a skull. A skull. Um, a skull. Yeah. Penny's what would you looks think like, that's a, about? like a clock. Huh. Oh, well, the clock for Penny might make sense since his time is running out or whatever. Yeah, Alice's is probably because she's literally died and come back. <laughs> oh, that's smart, yeah. Um, um, any we missed? 
Margo. Oh no, I said Margo's. Oh, what's Jade's? What's, I, I can't. Um, I can't tell what Katie's is. It's like kind of looks like a hammer to me, like Thor's hammer or something. But oh, that could be interesting. Well, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to keep thinking about that. Keep an eye on that as it goes. Um. Yeah. Okay. So, what else is there? Anything else about this episode that stood out to you? Any or even just like broad feelings about it? Um. Well, I've started a countdown, and I'm on Poppy Watch, and we still haven't gotten Poppy. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have we don't have Poppy in episode one. Um. That's for sure. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I think finding out that Felicia Day was going to play Poppy is like one of the most exciting things for me about this, this whole season. Cause Poppy is just one of my absolute favorite characters in the books. Cause she's like, she's so, she takes no bullshit, but she's also like happy, right? Like she's, she's one of the only characters who seems to be genuinely happy most of the time. She's and not jaded. <laughs> no, she's not jaded at all. She's like, Ooh, there are dragons and magic and it's awesome. And like, why don't you see how awesome this is? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how they're going to, like, introduce her character and, like, how different she's going to be. Because, you know, she'll be different in in some way. Yeah, well, and, I mean, they're all older, but I think, I mean, I think that um, Felicia Day is a little older than most of the other actors um, playing uh, people. So I wonder if she's, I wonder if her character is also supposed to be older. Um, I think she's, like, a... Break Bill's alumni, because I know they changed that at least. Um, oh, weird. Well, but I guess that makes sense. Trying to have her do an Australian accent seems like it would be <laughs> a pointless challenge given how much else they changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they'll, I don't know how they'll introduce her or, because she'll definitely probably be quite a few years older than the rest of them. Yeah, that would, that would well, be my guess. But I'm sure it's like going to be like, they need something and like Dean Fogg's going to be like, Oh, well, I know someone who knows something. <laughs> yeah, here's a random alum that I pulled out of my hat of alums. Yeah. <laughs> he does seem to have a very large collection of them. <laughs> he does. <laughs> oh, that was one thing that we that we missed is the, the this conversation about closing break bills. Oh, yeah. It's and I mean, big. it makes sense. I that that place can't be cheap to run and like mm-hmm. without magic I, I sort of understand, right? Like they can't practice anything that they're teaching. It's and those practicals being like a huge part of the curriculum. That's hard, and I imagine a lot of people have just dropped out, gone to party. Probably. Yeah. Um. Okay. Anything else we missed? I think we covered it all. Okay. Well, then I think it's time for fashion. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so I think the first thing we have to address is that Penny, as a librarian, is wearing that gray suit. <laughs> it was in all the yeah. promo photos. People really commented on it. I think, like, the magician's Twitter site was, like, really pointing it out, too. Probably because mm-hmm. most people do not notice the sartorial choices <laughs> of some of the characters. True. Um, but, yeah, like... I, it seems like that's kind of, I don't know, it seems like there is definitely a buttoned-up uniform for the librarians, like all the gray tones and uh, 
pencil skirts and whatever. And it seems very like 19, 1940s, 1950s work style. Yeah, that's true. Except for Sylvia. She was like in a hoodie and jeans. Yeah, but she was also clearly a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> true. I kind of wondered if she, if like, because we never did find out who her father was, did we? Mm-mm. I kind of wondered if maybe her father was one of the librarians that she was like stuck there working there because maybe it's the family business. We should demand a story, like a backstory because we deserve it. (laughs) Yes. Backstory. Consider it demanded. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, But I think the other thing about that is that of course it, it covers Penny's chest. So it sort of leaves him, more literally buttoned up, but also like it, I think it could be like reflective of how cut off he is from who he used to be and how like he doesn't get his own identity anymore. He has to be in a uniform, right? Like he is, he's really stuck. He doesn't have freedom or choices anymore. Yeah, that's true. Um, we should come back to talking about that suit in some of the later episodes, too, because I have another theory, but it might involve some spoilers. <laughs> okay. Um, the other one that I noticed... Well, I don't know. Were there any that you noticed before we... Of fashion? Yeah. I mean, uh, I love the way Julia was dressed. Of course you do. <laughs> she looks amazing. I just, The only thing I don't really like is I think she wears them in this episode. If if not, cut this out. Um, <laughs> the, like, snakeskin, like, shoes are really ugly. Oh, I don't remember if that's in this episode or not, but I've, I've definitely seen them before. I don't know. I feel like that's small. That's that's not really the kind of spoiler we need to worry about too much. Yeah, <laughs> but still. Um, one of the other ones that I noticed was Bacchus, um, because it's I mean, so ridiculous, right? Like, he's wearing a white suit, and I couldn't tell. Was it like a red shirt under that? Some kind of like uh, filigree or paisley pattern under that. Um, that like weird leafy hat and the John Lennon glasses. Well, I assume the leafy hat is because of uh, Bacchus, the actual god, is the god of wine and like the vines and stuff. Yeah, I figured yeah. it was probably something like that. But the whole thing is just like so no, ridiculous. No. Did you notice his like fuzzy boots too? Like he looks no. like like the god of EDM or something. <laughs> <laughs> the god of EDM. Well, that makes that that works well given that he was like basically running a rave in an apartment building. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um yeah, so the that that I thought was like the perfect ridiculous. And also like I think the fact that it was so mismatched was notable to me because it's like he just doesn't give a fuck he's a god he does what he wants he's like i like this don't care just gonna wear like whatever weird mishmash of clothes i can find yeah um and then i noticed margo of course because how can you not notice margo she's always dressed to the nines i loved the like cape that she had the red fire engine red cape so Mm -hmm. beautiful um and was her eye patch new was that the same one that she had in season two or is it a new one I think it's new. I think she changes them a lot. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I mean, I really liked that. I love the, I love the idea that she's like turning that into, into an accessory instead of just functional. Yeah. It's a very Margot thing to do. <laughs> it is. 
Um, and then Alice, I noticed what she was wearing, though I don't know that it's particularly notable, other than that the tones were more muted than usual. So she has this, like, olive green and black, sh- or maybe black, I don't know, I couldn't quite tell, shirt with another Peter Pan collar and that little light gray ribbon around it. The one thing that I noticed that I thought might be meaningful is the cameo pin. So it's the the pin with the, like, white uh, embossed, almost, like, white raised face in it that you see, like, a lot in Victorian Mm. stuff. Um, And I kind of wondered if that's supposed to be, like, maybe that's supposed to be her, or maybe it's supposed to be something else. Or maybe it's just a pin and she's, you know, that kind of person. (laughs) She might be. I'm always reading too much into fashion because they do put things in there. Yeah, they do. (laughs) They definitely do, but yeah, it's kind of hard not to. (laughs) I I just figured her style might change just like a little bit because she's like not the same anymore. Yeah, it's true. Um, That bacon. Oh, (laughs) it made me both so happy to see her like going after the bacon and so sad because that bacon was so sad. That bacon was very sad. <laughs> Did you notice that um, what, one of our listeners, uh, <laughs> one of our listeners, like wrote in because they're like, "Ugh, bacon is gross. I can't believe you talked about <laughs> bacon so much." <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm misrepresenting you. Uh, we we appreciate your commentary. We enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> bacon. I love bacon. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, I always did kind of wonder about that in the books because, I don't know, because Lev is like vaguely Jewish in background. Like I think his parents were Jewish or something like that. And uh, it is definitely treif, which is non-kosher food. But I think that's Mm -hmm. always the best food, right? Like only treif is going to bring you back to life. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So is that it for fashion? I think so. (laughs) <laughs> fashion and bacon segment uh anything else you want to talk about before we get into the episode ratings i think we covered everything I yeah think. this is gonna be a really fast episode but you know i hope you i hope you all forgive us we wanted to get it out to you in time uh for like right after the episode aired figured that you'd appreciate that more than us blathering on for hours <laughs> so then yeah ratings what did you think Great. uh I'm going to go for like a, a median 7 out of 10. Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking too, like a solid 7. It's like this is not this is you know, this is this is a decent episode, but it is a little slow. 7 keys. It's Oh, I see. I see what you did there. I, won't <laughs> I didn't even do think it on purpose, that. but <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what we should do. Maybe we should rate these based on keys this season. So, yeah, 7 keys. 7 out of 10 keys. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe we need a scale of seven and then we'd have to shift down. <laughs> That's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot of work. Um, yeah. So anything else you want to say about it? Like anything else that, what were the things that dinged it for you? What were the things that made it good? Uh, the things that made it good were definitely um, the character development with like our favorite characters. Like you can, you can tell it's happening. Um, I think the only reason it's not higher is definitely probably how slow it was. It's still a really great first episode, um, to set up. Yeah. 
But yeah, like you said, like it didn't make it wasn't as exciting as say like season two, episode one for us. So yeah, it didn't have the pow that I think I normally expect with um, a season premiere, mm-hmm. and it's especially sort of knowing a little bit about what's coming, which I won't talk about, right? Like you can, I, I know why they had to do it or why they did it, chose to do it this way, but I was still just a little disappointed when I saw the very first episode, not to have it be a runaway, like eyes glued to the screen one. Yeah. I mean, they had to set up this, like the tail in this episode. They couldn't like put it off. Cause you know, they only have, 13 episodes to work within. Yeah. So. Um, oh, I did these in reverse order because uh, we normally, I guess, talk about MVP before episode rating. But uh, how about oh. that? Who is your MVP? Oh, gosh. That's hard. Yeah, it is. Um, Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. I think for this episode, I am giving it to Trevor because... I think that, as Josh, because I think that, like, especially with that big scene with Bacchus, um, he really brought, like, the fun and the excitement to this episode. It was kind of slow, and that scene, I think, had the most punch and the most kind of, like, that it wasn't just one scene, right? Like, it was several scenes. I th- Like, I really liked that episode with... I really liked the section with the pop culture references, but I think Margot and Elliot are mostly just kind of, like, running around the castle other than that. So they don't have a ton to do. The other one that would be a contender for me, even though it's, like, a tiny role, would be Brittany, just because I loved that entrance so much. Her hackle mm. was perfect. <laughs> okay, now you're on the spot. Um, I'm thinking probably, uh, Stella, just because Julia, she was stellar. She's stellar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was great. I loved the parts where she like, like she's dancing on the stairwell. That was adorable. Um, just like her whole like high slash drunk, like performance was really, really <laughs> solid. Yeah. And I think like you said to, it it's nice to see her be a happy drunk and not like a not a sad drunk or just sad in general, right? Like you could see how yeah. that could go poorly for her really easily. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, is that it? Anything else? Any last final words about uh this episode or I don't know, your excitement for season three? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, on that note then. Thank you for joining us, Free Traders. It's, uh, we're really excited to be back. Season three. Yay! <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> um, we can sorry? say that there's definitely a lot to look forward to in the next couple episodes. Yes, that is absolutely true. Um, even though we only gave this episode a seven, there are going to be ones coming up that are pretty, pretty close to a ten, if not a ten. Uh, so Mm -hmm. you should definitely keep watching. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Um, give us a rating on iTunes. That's what helps. Um, the more positive ratings we have on iTunes, the easier it is for other people to find the podcast. Apple will sort of put it higher in the search results and things like that, which means that other fans of the magicians can see it easily. And you won't, when you type in magicians, you won't just get things for stage magicians. Uh, so please do give us that ratings, that rating on iTunes, though you can subscribe via whatever service you normally use. That's totally fine. 
Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you again soon. We've got some great episodes planned, some great interviews planned. Um, and yeah, that's, that's basically it. Oh, and follow us on Twitter, Physical Kids Pod. All right. Bye. Bye. Mind slide. Oh gosh, that's hard.